Hello, this is a fam electric ghost. We have Coma Rose on. Uh, hi. Uh, so um, I'm good. You're good. So I didn't I didn't get where you're actually um located. Where are you um residing? Right. So I'm currently in France right now. I'm usually based in New York. Uh, I was supposed to go back in March, but I sort of felt like shit would hit the fan there and <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it did it did you said you, you quite have made a good decision um so let me do a little brief intro this is phantom electric ghost i'm a electronic musician and producer and podcaster we've been doing this podcast on anchor fm since 2018 uh and we've got about 23,000 listeners uh worldwide and we interview indie artists around the world and we're talking to coma rose and you're in france right now and uh, we sent you a list of the questions, so we're going to probably start through that. Um, I'm kind of in lockdown in New Hampshire in my home studio, <laughs> uh, interviewing and recording a lot. But um, when did you first get into music? Uh, like, what age? Um, well, I suppose both my parents are musicians, and so music has always been quite a part of my life. Um, but I never really started writing my own material until about last year i mean i did have a, a small band when i was like 11 but <laughs> we only did about 10 gigs <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i think yeah i mean i started when i was probably like 14 15 in my basement with my brother on guitar and me on boards and a, a drummer that we had uh from our high school band um yeah so I mean, a lot of people that i've talked to they started at a young age so what instruments did you start on um, I actually started on guitar, and then I realized I was playing mainly bass lines, and so I was like, okay, just switch the bass. And then um, and then I, I kind of stopped doing music entirely for a while because um, it just felt, well, see, I'm quite shy usually, and so, you know, music can feel a bit vulnerable, like putting it out yeah. there, and so I felt like maybe it wasn't for me. Um, and so I stopped for a while, but I've always sung like under the shower and things. So, um, it's that's so you decided something. in the last year, you decided you had, um, like a talent where you wanted to actually start doing your own independent music. Is that, is that the case that you decided, well, now you felt confident enough to like start writing your own material? Yeah, I guess somehow I did. I've uh I worked was working as um an A V technician like backstage for bands and things and just a bit out of the blue I started working on Ableton on my own just for fun and I realized that actually it didn't seem too far fetched that maybe I could bring something to the room. That's interesting 'cause um yeah, a lot of a lot of musicians that I've three years they've all talked about how they were kind of shy they were reserved but the music kind of allows them to kind of have their own voice and and kind of be able to do what maybe they they're not comfortable doing in other parts of life and actually take center stage and become you know this this other other version of themselves that's what i've seen is a lot of artists you know it is you a lot of times like every singer songwriter has elements of themselves in their music, but they tend to have like a stage persona that they create. Um, that's a little bit of a cover. Um, like, do you do you see it that way? Do you see like with Coma Rose is this 
like a, it's a version of yourself or you feel like you're playing a character or do you feel like how do you feel how you're presenting your 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 stagecraft um i suppose so yeah really accurate with the stage persona thing i suppose that's why quite a few uh, prominent artists go by like aliases and uh, besides just their own band names and i guess that really helps sort of bringing out a different aspect of yourself and uh yeah i kind of uh try to embody more of um an alien kind of uh mm-hmm. like sixth element inspired vibe um yeah it feels like like a little like like a lady gaga kind of persona or i always <laughs> go back to, to like bowie bowie was the big right the, yeah the actual inspiration for a lot of people in our generation or I mean, I'm in different. I'm probably in different. I'm in my fifties, but but yeah. what what I what I found is like guys like Freddie Mercury, guys like David Bowie, you know, even Lou Reed. They they created this kind of stage persona, you know, that that wasn't exactly who they were, and it kind of gave them a little cover to do, you know, things that they you okay. Was that really Lou Reed? Is that his real life, or is he kind of just talking about characters? You know, Ziggy Stardust isn't really Bowie. The Thin White Duke really isn't Bowie. Aladdin saying isn't really Bowie, or is it? You can't, you don't know. You know, you're kind of like, okay. And I think it kind of, I think Bowie one time said that if I just went out with my blue jeans and whatever I did, like he came out as David Jones and nobody bought the record. (laughs) Then then when he came out as Bowie and he did Ziggy and he created all these characters, people were interested. So it's like they didn't want to just see him as him. Mm -hmm. He tried it and it didn't work. And Lady Gaga did the same thing. She tried it in New York, and it didn't work until she created you know, Lady Gaga. So it seems like like the, even the audience wants to see a lot of times like a, a hyper vision of, of 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 a person that's not exactly maybe them. Um, so I think that's always been interesting. I do that with the ghost. I mean, I, I play a character called Josephine Electric. You know, it, who's who's the lead <laughs> singer of my band, of my band, and, and, she, and she's me. But mm-hmm. I use, you know, vocal transformers to create her character. And I, I kind of go into character when I do my whole thing. You know, is, is Josephine is not me, but she is me in some ways. But it's, mm-hmm. it's just a different way of, of approaching things. So I, I always am very interested in artists to do that. So Coma Rose, like you said, like, what are your inspirations? Like, if you people were going to po- point out, like, okay, who do you think, who are your influences, reference points that people could kind of understand your character? Um, well, yeah, I suppose I, like you mentioned Lady Gaga. I mean, she's amazing. Like, just from like creating this vision from the ground up involving mm-hmm. visuals and costumes and her music. And she's essentially orchestrating this whole thing entirely on her own I mean I was a huge fan when I was uh say 13 maybe um Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had another friend who was a huge fan and he was supposed to do a presentation about her in music class and so he was like okay Jack like I got you a Lady Gaga outfit you're just gonna stand there while I do this uh presentation (laughs) about Lady Gaga and you're gonna be dressed as her and I was like okay I'll just you know be an alien um (laughs) But yeah, I mean, musically beyond that, I'm quite a fan of like witch house music bands like Ice Peak or uh, Radosmaya or um, like White Ring, Salem, um, all these kind of 
bands that most well I don't even know if most people know them I mean Witch House like is considered like a bit of a joke on the mainstream I suppose but something about it really awakens um well, that's cool. part of me yeah, yeah. it's interesting they like yeah that's a different genre I haven't really heard a lot of people tap into most people will say maybe like, <laughs> like goth or or they'll, they'll, they'll say like EDM or trans but I'm, I'm our dark wave synth wave you know but but I do pick it up. I mean, I, I pick up some Trent Reznor in your music, a little Nine Inch Nails influence a little bit. Some Laurie Anderson, that's kind of a deeper influence. Uh, like some of your rhythmics, some New Order, some like spoken word, word in like Lou Reed-esque uh, uh, in your spoken word piece that I was just listening to on um, SoundCloud. I was listening to like Drip. Uh, and I really <laughs> I like spoken word stuff. I mean, I do a lot of that, and I'm into into like guys like Dylan and Lou Reed. And it's always interesting, like when you're an artist and you kind of show that more experimental side. Um, and you know, a lot of music today can kind of go that direction because uh, you're out allowed to, you know, with these streaming services, be able to put out you know, like original material. And I, I think that's really cool that you can see how where other artists are coming from. And, you know, you have people who are trying to be like in the mainstream and you have other people that are more true to themselves. So so when you um you record, you said you use like Ableton. Is that what you use? Yeah, I use Ableton Live Suite and um, I got the Ableton push just so I can feel a bit more connected to the um, the interface. That's cool. So do you use like MIDI keyboards to trigger your Ableton with like your um, computer? Um, Yeah, first I had a Korg uh, keyboard that um, I was lent and then I had to give it back. And and so I haven't really done that for a while, but I'm I'm looking to buy some more gear once once I can set my mind on a piece. Yeah, it's interesting because I I am a, um, like an old school synthesis. You know, like I use hardware synths like Moogs and Rollins and stuff like that. And I'm of a mm-hmm. of a dollless recorder. So what I do is I use like old school, not exactly old school. I use like Zoom R24 digital recorders, which means that you have a machine that basically acts like a computer, but it's it's a recorder. It's it's a hardware recorder. So it's like it, what what you would use in a big studio when they have a big deck. It, it kind of forces you to record without a grid and you, you have to yeah. do overdubs and stuff. And if you're using like Moogs and analog synths, it's a good way to do experimental music because you kind of have to play the parts. You know, you, you can't really go on the grid and yeah. do stuff. You have to actually play it. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a keyboardist, so I like playing. But uh, there's a lot of cool devices out there today that allow you to do um you know what you do on a daw as a standalone you have things from like akai mpcs you have like novation you have grid-based inputs like if you're so if you weren't like a keyboard player uh, but you're like like a hip-hop person or a producer these enter the notes on these pressure sensitive grids and use like ableton or 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 you know to record but then the, the interface is an interface which touch sensitive and velocity sensitive pads so you can put in physically put in your drum beats you could physically put in notes and actually use your fingers without like a, a traditional keyboard which is a cool method of electronic music production 
Uh, it actually opens it up to people who aren't professionally trained. So it's right. I mean, that's that's what I like about the Ableton push is that you can like uh, regulate the velocity sensitivity on the touch buttons, and so it makes it all just kind of come together. And since it's designed for the Ableton, I thought that would be a good yeah first step in terms of uh, yeah it's really, connecting with it like physically. Yeah, it's interesting because original like when when the first electronic instruments were created in the fifties, like the first Moogs, they didn't have keyboards. They just had sequencers that were based on like right. setting switches and buttons. And um, mm -hmm. the first experimental electronic musicians were kind of like, we, we don't even need keyboards. We'll just use these, <laughs> these alternative methods of input. And it's kind of gone back full circle where today there's tons of alternative methods of input for artists to, to create. And even artists like myself, I like to use these grid-based things to do things that aren't typically possible on a keyboard. Because you can do things on those grids that you can't do on the physical instrument. There are things I want physically that I can't do with a typical scale on a piano, but because I've got this grid, I could be doing things, hitting scales or hitting notes that you really. Um, and so I think that gives you a lot of. You start opening up the combination of, of the two. Um, is, is like all what, what electronic music is all about, like experimentation. I hear a lot of interesting stuff, yeah, here. spoken word stuff to the really experimental. Um, you know, is that the genre that you really are, 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 are electronic? Which house, um, is that where you want to stay, or do you see yourself moving into other genres? Um, well, honestly, it's hard for me to try and like remain within a genre. <laughs> um, I, I kind of just go wherever the wind blows me right now. But I have been quite like, I've actually got a number of tracks that are um, on, on hold right now that I'm waiting to get mastered. And um, once those come out, you'll see I kind of dive a bit more into the witch housey like electro punk vibe. Oh, punk, cool. Uh, yeah, punk has been a big yeah. influence to a lot of people today. I think there's a lot more punk influence in music coming back. I've actually talked to like four punk rock bands, one from Australia, one from from um, from California. Is that you know the last three bands I've talked to were coming from like a punk aesthetic, and so that's interesting to hear. They seems to be coming back. Yeah, I suppose it comes with like some social unrest, um, like with society. It makes sense that it would arise in uh, times such as these. Well, I think what 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 I see is like you know the the kind of you know the popular music trend to make things that are kind of like well they they I think it's what happened when Kurt Cobain came. Like we had just come out of this kind of like manufactured corporate rock that was all these. <laughs> these hair bands from Los Angeles, not to put them down, but they were like glam kind of heavy metal, like the rats and the poisons yeah, and stuff. They were yeah. all kind of manufactured <laughs> bands and people wanted something more real. And yeah. Kurt Cobain yeah. and Eddie Vedder, when they brought grunge, you know, to, to the stage, then it kind of opened it up to have singer songwriters actually being honest. You know, Kurt Cobain was probably the most honest songwriter, like one of the most that you'd ever seen, you know, after coming from that era, you know, he was just pure, you know, he, he could put his pain into music and people related to it. 
uh, you know, Eddie, Eddie could do the same thing. And it was just interesting to see that come back. And I think when people want something, you know, in, in tune with their feelings, they'll go to something that has a little more heart or honesty. Exactly. It's so important to be able to relate to what you're listening to. Um, that tap into that feeling of uh, realness. Yeah, it's just interesting today that, you know, there's, there's so many, some people kind of will uh, point to the opposite. They'll say, well, you know, I want escapism because reality is too tough. So I can see well. people going the other direction. You're kind of doing both because you've got this character you've created, Coma Rose, and it's, it's got the Lady Gaga aspect. You kind of got the Bowie-esque stuff, and you got the witch house. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's it, you know, it does give you some escapism, kind of like sci-fi escapism, you know, when you go watch Star yeah. Trek or Star Wars or something. You get pulled in that world because maybe your own world is a little too tough. But the thing about sci-fi it tends to be a comment on the current times, but you're able to say things that maybe you couldn't say <laughs> like Rod Serling in the twilight zone. He used to make comments in science fiction about current day, the current day world, but it was kind of was in science fiction. He could kind of get away with political statements that people couldn't re readily. It wasn't direct. It was kind of indirect. Um, so do you feel that you like like the nature of, of, of doing your music? Because if you do it in, in such a way that it's, you can make a comment, but you maybe not be as direct as like a Bob Dylan or, or a Neil Young. <laughs> oh, entirely. I mean, you've totally put your finger on that. Like, I'm so enthusiastic about fantasy realms that I just, I swear I just read the same book over and over again just to stay within that zone, that mood that the book um portrays and so um I mean for my entire live show I've designed it to um kind of be a commentary about like technology versus nature and how like it's not so much about how like the result of the thing but the means one one uses to get to that point um and just generally yeah the destruction of it that could be a beautiful thing but um but it really depends on the use of the thing if that makes sense yeah yeah i mean modern technology you can use it to like you know for biodiversity or you can use it to like destroy biodiversity exactly <laughs> yeah. you, you, you could go and take technology and then people like overuse a resource because you know you people overbuy something uh, or they or you could use it to like you know, save whales or save you know, <laughs> polar bear. I mean, you, you could do it to, you know, all kinds of good things and bad things you can do from the result of technology. You can, it can be used, like, you know, it's a double-edged sword. In some ways, it's like, okay, you make it easy to do something, then you could actually cause a problem because it's too easy. And then, you know, it's, so, so it's always got to be used responsibility, responsibly. And But the problem is like, you know, in, in a capitalist system, you got things are profitable, aren't necessarily good. And sometimes Entirely. people don't understand that. It's like, oh, just because something makes money doesn't mean it's good. Um, and, and there's a thing where, you know, like the financial market goes, well, if something makes money, that's got to be good. But not necessarily true. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and so that's interesting that with science fiction, you can always kind of show that Point dystopian that world. Yeah. You can kind of reflect, you can say, oh, it's somewhere else, but you're really talking about here. 
you know, where you're talking about some futuristic realm, but it's really still a comment about here, um, maybe kind of masked or layered. Um, yeah. So I, I was talking, I was looking at your song Ambigram. Can you kind of talk about like the the whole, like uh, how you came to that song and you know what what your what you feel it's about, um, and you know how you actually constructed it? Maybe we get into it. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, so that. Yeah, so my latest tracks, um, and so that one uh, was actually, funnily enough, I, I wrote a lot of the lyrics um, via an online um, word generator. <laughs> I thought that that would fit quite well into the whole uh, Matrix AI vibe, which is uh, essentially the um, the basis for the song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just, yeah, about looking through a lens um, and how that can kind of warp your perspective and how it is all essentially a matter of perspective and the way you look at things in life. But I like to keep my, uh, my lyrics quite open um, in some ways, like nonsensical nonsense, just to make it um, easy to interpret in different ways, uh, depending on the perspective you want to use on the song. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I do a lot of, I, I originally did poetry before I became like a musician. And so I tend to do that, this idea where I'll go back to my, 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 um, page. I got like hundreds of pages of poems. And, uh-huh. then, I'll, and then I'll say, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm doing all this electronic music. It's like, I'll take a line from like 30 poems and just randomly exactly. take a line from each one. And it's kind of the same thing you did with the computer. I, 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 I will do that sometimes and I'll do like a stream of consciousness. I have all this paper in front of my mic in my home studio and I'll just go randomly grab lines and <laughs> throw, them, throw them around. And I, what I find is sometimes compared to a song that I purposely tried to construct, sometimes that's that way of writing, you know, especially with electronic music tends to work, <laughs> you know. Um, it does. Yeah. <laughs> I've talked to a lot of artists that kind of do the same thing, you know, and it, it, you, know, you know, sometimes they'll be honest and say, well, you, well, they'll, they'll say, well, you know, I really put a lot of time in this. And then they'll say, well, you know, I actually kind of just threw it together. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, it, and, you know, it, I maybe did a couple passes on it, but it's like sometimes that, that kind of gives you this like feeling that you're not being overwrought. Not that I won't go and, and write a rock opera because I, I, I do do that. I, I'm a progressive <laughs> guy and I'll go and write like, yes, you know, I'll do something like that. But what I find is like, you know, it's cool to to kind of do a stream of consciousness kind of word jam, poetry slam kind of way of recording. <laughs> um, so so is that like what you typically do or is that was just for that song you did it that way? Or do you like, do you end up, you know, a lot of artists have different ways of doing it. Do you, do you put down your lyrics ahead of time or do you do them after or is it a combination or you just don't know? You're just going each to, each, <laughs> each song is different, how you approach it. Um, well, honestly, um, as somebody who enjoys writing a lot on, on my own time, just writing like nonsensical things, I find that most of the time, whenever I try and do that with a song, it just ends up sounding overwritten. I end up like, like honestly, Ivy Drip and, um, and Eye of the Storm, my... Uh, first two tracks I released, those were all literally stream of consciousness, um, cool. just chatting into the mic for the whole song. And I just kept those lyrics right there. I mean, 
looking back on some of the lyrics are actually quite embarrassing <laughs> but I just they just fit so well at the time I just sort of kept them there that's interesting because I'm finding more bands I mean I just talked to an artist from um, Latvia um, there's an artist named Waterflower and she's a visual artist and uh, she does a lot of stream of consciousness because she she's a visual art so she, a lot of her act is just all these visuals that she does on a green screen and she does a lot of YouTube videos but she she had a That's she was beautiful. in a band that the whole band all they did is do the kind of poetry slams where Love it. and they just did it and I, I mean again talking to more and more artists that are kind of going back to that after you know an age of people trying to craft like perfect songs um I think sometimes what happens is like there gets to be pressure against that to say you know we wanted something more free um more, more freeing is to do the stream of consciousness kind of you know slam poetry you know you know improvisational recording um people appreciate it because it just feels like it's coming from a different place you know not maybe not you maybe it's not gonna hit the top 10 but there's an audience for it that is looking for real um you know feeling yeah <laughs> kind of circling back to the conversation about Kurt Cobain and Nirvana realness and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I, I really think there's. I mean, there are people that <laughs> that really are itching to feel that you know there's a musician that's on stage and they're actually not just running off the CDJ. Not that that doesn't get you somewhere, uh, and some acts you have to do that the way the club systems are set up today. That you can't come out with like a full band. You know, you might have to run your Ableton Live and kind of sing over it. So then the question I have. If we, if you've done live shows, how do you do you have um, like a setup where you're just running like an Ableton Live, um, or do you actually play live with instrumentation or other musician? Uh, me, I uh, I would sing live um, and uh, like mess with some of the uh, pre-recorded set and um, and add some contortion choreography to it. Um, and also some live visuals that I uh, do myself. Oh, cool. So you do like a visual performance, kind of like the way I was talking about. There's a lot of artists doing that nowadays. I've, I've talked to a lot of people who have a visual element to their show. So when you do your visuals, do you project them onto a screen or you use the club's capabilities? How do you do it? Oh, yeah, it's, um, it's projected. I have my own projector and um, Resolume Arena 6. Cool. Seven. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's yeah I make them myself. And your costumes that I've seen in your videos, did you, did you put those together yourself or do you work with somebody? Oh, yeah, I do it all myself. Um, I, I wanted to go into set design when I was young, so I find that all my uh, variety of different things I love to do just all sort of fit together in this one act. <laughs> Well, that's really cool because it's, it's cool. Like I see more and more indie groups, they kind of take in the responsibility of their of their image. You know, they 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 want to do it. You know, in terms of like that, it's their vision, and, and that's the cool thing about singer songwriters that I've always been like really into. Like most of the people I interview are singer songwriters. I don't really interview yeah. a lot of like uh, agents who will try to contact me and get me to push a, a, like a bigger band. But I'd rather talk mm -hmm. to people who are uh, kind of in the smaller bands because I think they need need the help. You know, my whole thing is <laughs> I want to I want to support indie music and alternative music because the whole structure for the bigger acts it, it already exists. 
I'm trying to help the smaller yeah. apps. <laughs> yeah. Well, we appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, everybody. We need to help all the charity we can get. Yeah, especially in this COVID time, you know, uh, one of the cool things that, you know, some of the things are happening, like Spotify is, is now putting a donation button on their, um, anybody that's on the platform, they can put a donation button to like PayPal or GoFundMe. So the bands, they okay. can't, can't tour. And I just got set up on mine. And SoundCloud for a certain, you know, the premier artist on SoundCloud, there actually is a, a button that you can put on your profile that will allow you to get a GoFundMe or PayPal or, you know, Cash App. And so for a lot of bands, they're kind of stuck not being able to tour because a lot of bands, you know, in this world, that's the next question. It's like the streaming world, um, you know, social media allows us to get out, out the gate and we can get our music out there. But our compensation level is not that high. And so what I've seen is a lot of artists, they make more money on merch and doing shows um, mm -hmm. than, than they do from selling their records through streaming. Um, so do you, do, as an artist, are you, like, how are you approaching, like, your, your way to actually, you know, make it in the business? Are you doing, like, your shows, your primary income source or your, your merch or how, how do you do that? Well, I suppose um, my opinion might be a bit controversial on this because I actually, I actually quite enjoy streaming services because I don't really find that because you know it's it's sort of like almost almost what you do is uh, pushing forward artists who don't have much means to even produce their own records to allow them to have a platform to share mm -hmm. their work. So even though the compensation there is quite low, I find that um, it still helps in a certain way but then i feel what really needs to change is um the way um i guess sort of the system is surrounding artists touring even because i find that a lot of people just end up touring for little or no money and i think that's the main problem because if if you could tour and actually make a profit from that it would be more worthwhile to a lot of bands who just you know, it's like a five piece traveling with a van and they'll end up making like, you know, a yeah, hundred yeah. bucks a gig or whatnot. Yeah, just break, <laughs> breaking even, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the tour support <laughs> is very low. You know, I, I've, I've taken the, you know, the U-Haul band to New York City and played in Manhattan places. And, you know, and, and the compensation is like barely covers like, you know, the travel. Exactly. Um, yeah, let alone like just like practicing with the band and yeah, um, yeah. all the gear and everything. It's insane. Yeah, it's really hard. And that's um, where, you know, these new online, you know, community, like I, I just got on Twitch and Twitch, if you become a Twitch partner, you can make a certain amount of money. You can actually get your streams to equate income. So if you, you can be like right. a YouTuber, if you can get a big enough audience. Um Mm -hmm. And so to me, like the future of music, given this crisis is really live streaming platforms that allow fans to buy tickets, which I started looking into. There are some new platforms being developed because of what's going on with the bands not being able to tour mm -hmm. where they are allowing you mm -hmm. to actually like sell tickets to your live show or have like cash app or PayPal or different ways of doing support. So people can do like, like an unplugged performance from their bedroom or from their garage or from their basement and set up a couple and their fans to support them. Then you could uh, or merge during the show. 
um, online, and that. Right. I mean, now there are more ways to actually make money. There, there are more ways that you can actually turn that into income. That's not the main point of being an artist. I mean, I would do my work because I, you know, I don't make a lot of money from it, but, but I do it because I love it. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll play anywhere, anywhere, and anyhow, whether they get paid for the gig or not, just because they love it. Um, it happens that the money comes. Low. Yeah, it's just cool. It would be good if the industry would just be more supportive of, of supporting artists. My whole comparison is a kid today will buy a $60 Xbox game but won't pay pay $10 <laughs> for buying an album from a band they like. So that's what, what they got to think about. is like exactly. If you love that musician, maybe you want to make sure they're still here. <laughs> and maybe you should, should not just buy the mm-hmm. Xbox and PlayStation game and Nintendo games. You need to like think about supporting the bands you love. Right, exactly. But then, from a different perspective, one might wonder that. Well, say, say for example, the agents or the labels. I mean, so often they'll just pay the artists so little percent compared to what they make off of their own sales. Then you think, what would these labels or agents do without the artists that support their own business? Yeah but it's them making all the money in the end. So I almost feel as if the system, like say in France, for example, if um, if you're a professional artist, it suffices to do like 40 or so gigs a year and you get paid um, as a, a self-employed musician by the government here. And personally, I've, I'm so surprised that, that doesn't just exist on a worldwide scale. I mean, it is a job. Yeah as any other one that takes time and effort it's not like all fun and games when you're sitting in the studio mixing oh, for yeah. gosh darn two weeks yeah well i think something. it's like the, the <laughs> idea that somehow some art is not valued you know as a job you know people would say oh get a real job you know but you know art you know musicians it is a real job and and it's, it's just they're, they're not understanding within our economic system that being an artist isn't just some self-indulgent thing it's people enjoy art and art should be you know something that you could make a living off if you're a creative person if you're a creative person and you're not the kind of person that can sit in a cubicle and do something for corporate america where you rather you know work on your Mm -hmm. art and people want to hear you and want to see you you should make a way for that, that person to be able to have that life I, I, and I think it's cool that France, they have that because there's a lot of people that are really not built to do the other type of work. And they're not happy doing it. They're happy doing creative work. And it would be better to allow mm-hmm. people to be where they want to be. Um, my, my two cents on that. <laughs> oh, no, entirely. I mean, exactly. I mean, that's why sometimes, like, as much as I, I want to cry out, like, you know, support the artist you like, sometimes I understand that just regular public doesn't have quite the means to help support us, but they should also be entitled to enjoy some form of entertainment, which is why I feel like the government should take that on a bit more since, I mean, they obviously need artists to make their, you know, country beautiful and uh, like culturally intact. I mean, in Berlin, they, they purposefully keep their rent and, other amenities low to keep that artistic um, 
public there. That, that's really, um, I, I, I love I've, the idea. Like in Berlin, yeah. I've talked to some bands from there that actually, you know, have kind of told me about that whole environment that is a supportive of the community. It's kind of like what San Francisco was, you know, in the 60s, like hate Ashbury. There right. was that kind of thing. It just happened to be, and now, now it's like priced out. You know, you can't do it. But, yeah. Not but, anymore. But, 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 yeah. but, you know, the whole era, the Grateful Dead, you know, and and bands like, you know, like, uh, you know, Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention, they came from an era where you could, you know, have four or five artists living in a, you know, like in, in an apartment complex all hanging together, and it wasn't crazy rent, and it, you could actually do it. Um, and yeah. And that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that you know people don't in this country in the U.S. It's kind of hard to get people to value art or say, "Oh, when are you going to grow up and get a real job?" <laughs> you know, they, they yeah. don't. They, yeah, I've they don't. They that. don't see it <laughs> yeah. as, you know, as something that that's valuable. And um, I just think that that what I've seen, you know, and I understand the fans have limited income, but it's the whole thing. I saw, you know, being fifty years old, I grew up in an age. Where you know, if you wanted to, to to listen to something, you had to buy the vinyl, right? You had to buy the cassette. You 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 and you you enjoyed you know picking out the bands you loved, and you did kind of support them in that way. And I understand the world's changed and made it easier for you to listen to stuff, but but it's kind of devalued mm-hmm. music. And so there there's got to be a way to get the music, the value of music, back into the equation, where where people are willing to understand that there's certain you know, level of, of, of participation from even the fans that's required for your bands. And this, this whole crisis is going to really exacerbate that. And it's going to be a point where, you know, people are going to have to support some of these bands that are not coming back. Um, you know, <laughs> that's, that's just the reality. But um, yeah, so yeah. Uh, on, on the project you have on, um, on SoundCloud, you have Ambergram, you have um, Eye of the Storm and uh, Ivy Drip. I, I, you said you're holding off on putting more material because you're mastering some. Yeah, I've got about like seven tracks on hold right now that I'm just waiting to release. Um, so I'll be looking forward to showing the world my new things I've been working on for like the last few months I've been locked That's in cool. here. Are you, you going to do videos <laughs> um, for all those too? Or are you going to do more video work? Well, so that's the thing. Yeah, I generally prefer releasing every uh, song with a bit of a video to sort of put you in that that universe I'm trying to create. And I feel like it just helps people understand a bit from my own perspective, at least. I do have a, a couple videos also on hold. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit easier for me to make than the songs a lot of the time since I come from more of a visual background professionally. Yeah, I like, I like your videos. Um, I was watching your YouTube. Um, yeah, so what, so what we're going to do with this, with this whole podcast, what's cool about it is I can actually link to your SoundCloud. Uh, well, I can put a, a link into the, into the actual podcast and or link to your, your, into your main, um, all your links to your YouTube and your SoundCloud and um, uh, any other link, like your main uh, website are actually clickable on on the podcast itself and we are on 11 platforms and spot spotify anchor is actually part of the spotify family so this this podcast is actually going to have a link on instagram that will uh, allow people to hit the highlight and it'll go right to the podcast version on spotify 
So this will be published within like an hour. Um, and then we will put it up. We usually put the hyperlink onto our highlight on our Instagram site, which is expansive sound experiments. And we will put that link there. It doesn't, you can actually do the same thing. If you have an, your Instagram, you have a Spotify, you could do that linkage. It will let you do it. Um, so yeah, it's just cool. You just go to the podcast and then it will let you like share it. And then you can share it to many platforms, including uh, Facebook and other places. But yeah, we, we'd love to talk to you again when your projects are, are available. Um, we tend to have people come on the show multiple times. So like when you have uh, more material on SoundCloud and your video is ready to go for your next uh, set of singles, we, we, we definitely love to have you come back on the show. Oh, super. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, we, I really just, like that. We've been interviewing people at least three or four times a week now because we're going like, to on lockdown. We've been, we've been recording a lot ourselves. <laughs> um, we're trying to do a bunch of things. Um, but yeah, we, like as musicians, we found this platform as another way to generate income <laughs> and also and be able to talk to right. other, other musicians. And it's just really cool to be able to talk to people. I mean, most of the people I've talked to in the last three weeks, it's been really cool. I mean, I talked to a lady, uh, uh, Jen Eagle. She's a model and electronic musician. She, she's in Denmark. I talked to a lady in Latvia. I'm talking to you in wow. France. Is this cool that the, the technology allows us Incredible. to have these podcasts that, you know, years ago, they, they would not, not be able to do that. Um, so I think that's, along with the streaming services, where we are as musicians, uh, even though we're in this lockdown situation, there are a lot of things we can do um, that we can. Yeah, yeah, Almost kind of works. I'm hoping this will really help. And everybody should go out to your SoundCloud, Comma Roads, and check out your tracks. Uh, your latest single is Ambigram, mm-hmm. right? That's the latest one, right? Yeah, check that out. It's really yeah. awesome. And right. I, I just encourage people to share uh, your love for the artist you like and, uh, and give love to, 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 to Comma Roads. And we'll hopefully talk to you Um when you have your other material ready and we're going to put this out and have a great day. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so Talk much. To you soon. Bye. Bye.